Welcome to Oikos Church. How are y'all doing? Good. This morning we started a new series called Sorry, Not Sorry. I have to start it out this morning with a happy birthday to my mom. She's 69 today. Oops, sorry. Not sorry. She is a wonderful lady of God. And she, um, some of you know her, some of you have met her. We are praying, and you can join me in that prayer if you would so kindly do it, that my parents, my dad is going to be turning 84, and he's had multiple things happen in his life, but he is trying to make it here um, again. And so what we would like to be praying for is that by February, by um, my oldest's, my oldest's, that's not a word, my <laughs> oldest daughter, Breezy, when she turns... 14, 13, 14, thank you. <laughs> Woo, this is starting out really great, isn't it? Woo, sorry. Not sorry, really. But when she turns 14, I'm praying that my parents can make it down here, either by plane or by, not by train, but by car or somehow make it here. And I believe the Lord can make it happen, but I also am prepared if he says no. But I am excited for them. Happy birthday to my mom. She's a good lady. She lived many years with me, and she is still living. And so that's good news for us. And so am I. Today's story invites us into transparency. Transparency is a value here at Oikos. Doesn't mean we've attained it. It doesn't mean that we're all transparent with one another. But it is a value that I, I believe the Lord invites us into. And that's why it's one of the values of the church. So many of us live lives. What we present is not what is really going on. Did any of you present a condition of your life this week with someone that didn't tell the whole story? You probably did so with someone close to you, even more likely with someone that you don't know as well. And you may have had many reasons for it. One is you didn't have time, or it was just too short of a, a period of time, or it wasn't the right time. And so you just kind of covered it up. We hide things that we don't want anyone to know about. And we may do that in a variety of ways. But we hide those things and we only say sorry for them when we are caught. Is that about right? But I know, this is so serious already, isn't it? That's why I flubbed up in the beginning so that you guys could kind of go, oh, okay, well, this is going to be one of those messages, but it's going to be kind of serious today. Because this is what we do, right? For some of us, we only say sorry when we get caught. In essence, we're saying sorry, not sorry. Sorry that I was caught, not that I view my relationship with you with unfaithfulness or shallowness. 
disrespect or mistrust. That's what happens, right? I mean, I, I hope that I'm not the only one here that has been like, oh, no. Now I actually have to say I'm sorry. And sometimes when you're caught, you say you are actually deeply cut. Or you go, I'm really sorry. And I repent. And other times, you go, oh, I'm sorry. Not really. I'm sorry that you caught me. Not so much sorry. Today, we're going to listen to a story that God is inviting us into transparency. And we're going to explore that a little bit today, so let's take a listen to the story. The believers shared everything they owned. If someone had a need, others would sell their possessions and give to that need. A godly man named Barnabas had some land and sold it for the needs of others. He brought the money and gave it to the apostles. A married couple named Ananias and Sapphira also decided to sell some land and give the money to the apostles. It was to be used for the good of the church. But Ananias changed his mind after the land was sold. He and his wife decided to keep some of the money for themselves. The two of them agreed that they'd still give part of the money to the church, but say they gave it all. Ananias went to the gathering of believers without Sapphira. He gave his gift to Peter and said it was the full amount he had gotten when he sold the land. Peter looked at him and said, Satan has filled your heart and caused you to lie to the Holy Spirit. You didn't have to sell your land, and once it was sold, you didn't have to give all the money to the church. Why did you decide to lie about this? You didn't lie to us, you lied to God. As soon as Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. This caused great fear to spread across the entire congregation. Several young men picked him up, wrapped him in strips of cloth, carried him out, and buried him. Three hours later, Sapphira came to the gathering. She hadn't heard about what had happened to her husband. Peter said to her, Did you and your husband sell the land for the amount of money you gave to the church? Yes, that was the total selling price. Peter looked at her. Why did the two of you agree to test the Holy Spirit? Listen, do you hear those footsteps? Those are the young men who just buried your husband. Now they'll take your dead body and bury it. Immediately, she fell down and died. The young men came and found her lying dead on the ground. They picked her up and buried her next to her husband. News of this spread throughout the region. Because of it, people were more careful when they thought about joining the band of believers. Still, their numbers increased greatly of both men and women. So welcome to Oikos Church. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Uh, this is a hard story. And scripture gives those stories for us because we have to wrestle with it because it's God's word. The first part that's really hard for us is in the first few verses in, um, of the story coming out of chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they, what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. They shared 
everything and they were united. They didn't show greed. Wow. It's hard for us to even kind of understand that. Right? I mean, we like to aspire to it, but it's hard to get our minds gripped around that Scripture would say all the believers. That was the part that hit me. It wasn't some or most or a few. All. They were united in heart and mind and they felt what they owned was not their own. They were transparent with what they owned. So there was no hidden things. It was just out there. And when they decided that there was a need, they sold it and gave it. I mean, isn't that kind of hard to believe? I mean, this is the thing about Scripture. Is that sometimes what the Lord invites us into seems so far away. What I also saw is that there were little or no, probably even on the more side of no comparisons between those who gave a lot and those who gave a little. It was more, they're just generous. Now, some of us would say, this sounds like a good thing. Who says it's a good thing? <laughs> Very few of us would say this is a good thing. I would be one of them that says, this is a good thing, but normally I think it's a good thing when I'm more on the receiving side than the actual side that's the giver. Because the giver has to step in and say, what I have is not mine. So I see a need, take it. They don't go through a series of steps going, if you have a need, let me see if it works for me, then I'll go to you and give it. They realize that this is already from God. Sharing what we had, trying to help those in needs. Sharing everything. This is a picture of the early church. Who likes that? Anybody like that? Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Penny. But it's hard to be that. And I think that's kind of what we run into in this story. Not many of us are transparent with what we have. In fact, what are some taboos? How many of you shared your salary or what you made last year with someone? It's out on its public review. Right? We don't want to do that, do we? How many of you shared how much you gave last year? I know, I told you this is going to be a hard message. I hope you can embrace it because it's, it's just God's word. I'm just trying to give it the way it is. I looked at this and I thought, man, this is where we really, we say it's off limits and boy, has Satan won. 
Our culture has made this to be an area where you're not transparent. And sometimes we put on a, a face of, well, we are not supposed to say how much we give because then that's prideful. But what's really interesting is this is exactly what was happening in Acts 4. They ha had a field, sold it, gave it. There wasn't secret giving. It was just giving out there. I guess this is what struck me about this. They weren't sorry about how much God had given them. They were just thankful. And their perspective wasn't that this is mine, but this is ours. That is just so hard in American culture. So hard. But what would the church look like if we had more transparency? What would our church look like? See, this is where it gets sticky, right? It's always nice to talk general until it gets specific. What would our church look like if there was more transparency? I want you to take a moment and ask the Lord right now, where are you asking me or inviting me to be more transparent and more generous? Now here at Oikos, we don't talk just about one of the capitals, which you are probably thinking about right now when you hear that word generous, which is financial. That's one of them, but we consider that one of the last ones. But where, with what the Lord has given me, maybe he's given you a lot of faith to approach any situation with confidence that the Lord is going to make it happen. Are you sharing that? Is he inviting you to be more generous with your faith in him? Some of you have been given great physical capacity that you can run and do things all day long from 6 in the morning till 9 at night. And you're not tired the next day. How are you utilizing that? Is he inviting you? to share your physical capital with the church, with the family. There's all these different areas, and that's what I want you to begin thinking. Where is the Lord saying, be more transparent with what you have to offer, and then become more generous in offering it? For the newly formed church in Acts, we see the picture of Barnabas. And what I found interesting is that he was a chosen example. Maybe it's because he was, you know, Barnabas means son of encouragement. People probably liked him, right? Everyone likes a good encourager. So people loved Barnabas. Perhaps he was chosen for this reason. But Barnabas was just pretty much out there that he had a field. He sold it. He brought in the money and he brought it in because he felt like the church needed it to move forward the gospel. I'm thinking that perhaps when he did this, many people cheered, right? Because when we see an act of faith like that, we kind of get excited, especially if it's exposed. We get excited about it. So everybody wants to go, yay, right? So 
if Victor came in and goes, I just sold this big old, I can't even think. Um, it could be anything, anything in your garage. <laughs> Victor has, like, if you ever go to Victor's garage, you can almost find anything. There's something in his garage, and he goes, I sold that because the Lord told me to sell it. And he walks in here, and he gave it to the church. We would want to share in that celebration, right? Right? Yeah, come on, we would. And if it was a small thing, and he brought in like $5, there may be like, yay. If it was a big thing, and he brought in $200,000, um, I bet you all would go, yay, right? Well, because that's how we do. We compare things. It doesn't mean it's better. I mean, I, I want to develop a heart, or I believe the Lord is asking us to develop a heart that if someone has very little and they sell something and they bring in $5 that we share, because guess what? We're, we're transparent that we actually know that they have very little. And they brought it in. It's the widow's might thing, right? That she gave all that she had, and Jesus knew who she was, and he knew this was all that she could give, and so he celebrated it. I also want to celebrate when someone brings in something big. And it stretches their financial capital or their physical capital. We should celebrate it. This is what the early church did. So I think what's interesting is that this is not something that was out of the norm, but this was normal behavior in the church. So he's just kind of threw Barnabas out as the norm. This is what was happening. Saw a need, sell a field, give to the church. Move the gospel forward. It was a normal practice, I believe, because they recognized all they really needed was Jesus. See, they were so close to the time that Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven, that that picture in their mind helped them realize that the stuff in this world that we try to hold on to wasn't worth it. I mean, why would Barnabas sell a field other than the field wasn't worth more than Jesus? Right? Why do people give? Because they pull into their checking account and they go, what we have accumulated is not worth more than Jesus. That's why. I mean, I, sometimes we give out guilt. Or because we think someone is thinking that we should give. But I believe in the mind of the early church, united as they were. They gave because they really believed. All we need is Jesus. So the next part of the story is where we have another problem with this story, right? And it's the behavior of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, our self-righteous part of our heart says, I would never do that. I would never tell the church, I'm going to give this and then not do it. But if we think through the story, why would Ananias and Sapphira do it? Well, maybe they said, this sounds like a great idea. 
We saw Barnabas do it. He could do it. They were encouraged. So they go out. They sell their field. Maybe they get more for it than what they are expecting. And then their donkey dies. This is added in. This is not in Scripture. This is me just kind of going in, trying to jump into what could they have been thinking. And their donkey dies, and they need to have a donkey, so they go, well, it won't hurt. We'll just take a portion of this and buy our donkey. Well, most of us would be like, well, you should buy a donkey. I know that's hard to jump into, so let's do it our way. We sell something, we have something, and we go, wow, I got a lot more for it than I thought. That's pretty cool. I should sell more of those things. But I said I would give that to the church, and your car dies. You go, oh, but I have to buy a car, and if I give this, I, haven't really, I don't really have anything for a car, so mm, I'll give in the future. I'll just kind of portion this over. You guys ever done that? So guess what? I've done that. Oh, it'll be all right. God will understand. This is a real need. Now, this is when I was not a consistent giver. And boy, I could come up with any reason why. I mean, I was really good at it, honestly. I've had student loans, and I was like, oh, well, those student loans made me a pastor, so basically... What do I need to give? I'm basically giving back to God because it's kind of funneling its way back to the seminary. Yes, this occurred while I was a pastor. Our first two years of marriage, well, I wasn't quite a pastor. I was a vicar and then a pastor. So as a vicar, I really struggled with, I'm not really being paid. So why am I giving back? Basically, I'm like giving back to the place that's paying me. Can we cut a deal? <laughs> I mean, I thought through all these kind of things because I was not unified in my heart that what the Lord had given me was not mine. It was his. Maybe, and I said severe, it wasn't even about their situation. Maybe they sold the field and on the way they saw someone that was hurting and they thought, well, we'll just give it to them. Would you all agree that's a good thing? You're scared to say, right? Well, I think it would be like you walk by and you're like, oh, this person really needs it. Well, we'll just give a little bit. They may have had some really good things, but the circumstances really don't matter and that's why they're not recorded because it was their response that in the end they lied they couldn't be transparent so the first reason why we kind of have a problem is just the attitude of Ananias and Sapphira the second part is that we have a problem with the behavior of God yes I'm going to address this because this is what you think about when you see this, when you hear this story. This couple who is a part of the church, I mean, let's just put it, maybe it's one of you, 
Maybe it's Vanessa and Abel. Vanessa and Abel, I'm going to use it as an example, don't worry. They come to church almost every Sunday. They are moved and they say, this is so awesome. We're going to go sell our car. And we're going to bring in the funds for the church so that we can plant 100 churches and start 1,000 MCs. We were moved. So they go sell their car. You get an awesome price. You start coming in and you go, are we really going to start 100 churches? Are we really going to have 1,000 MCs? Is Aaron just crazy? Do we really want to commit all of this to that? Let's commit three-fourths of it, and we'll hold back a fourth. And if they plant at least three churches, then we'll give the rest. And so they come in, and they put in the thing. But they say, we sold a car, and we gave it all to the church. And then Abel drops dead. And then Vanessa drops dead. Now, you guys would say, that's a little harsh. Because we question the behavior of God. We have questioned the behavior. If you are a believer, you have questioned the behavior of God. When you prayed for something and it didn't come through, did you question the behavior of God? A smidgen? Or a whole lot? When you had something happen to you that you didn't think was fair, did you question the behavior of God? Maybe a smidgen? A little bit? We have a problem with this part of the text. One, because of the behavior of Ananias and Sapphira, because of their response. And two, because we question the behavior of God. Ananias and Sapphira, we question that behavior because we act like them. Don't you know that we, you often criticize what you don't like the most about yourself? See, Ananias and Sapphira had misdirected approval. They were seeking approval from everyone else other than God. Now, this is me making a leap into what happened in the story because I don't know what was going on, in, going on in the heads of Ananias and Sapphira. All I know is that there's an example of Barnabas. And then directly after that, there's an example of Ananias and Sapphira. And the, direct, the example of Barnabas was encouragement for the church. And the example of Ananias and Sapphira was a warning to the church. Barnabas wanted to see the church grow. And this is where we can relate to Ananias and Sapphira. Maybe they wanted praise for what they were giving more than allowing it to be simply a gift. This happened many times 
John 12 records, many people did believe in him, talking about Jesus. However, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. I mean, if we can't say that we haven't been there, I don't know. So often, we just discount God this fast so that we can have praise from someone else. The second part for them was that they were fearful of actually doing what they had committed to do. They didn't count the cost. I think we can relate in that too. You say yes too soon. You ever said yes too soon? Someone asks you to do something, it's kind of a yes with a guess. You say yes, but you haven't really thought through and prayed, how am I going to do that? But you go ahead and say yes. For them, they said, yes, we're going to do this. It's a good thing. We're going to sell our field. And we're going to bring in the money. But they kind of did it with a guess. I believe they didn't count the cost. For us, it may be, I'm going to do something really good. I'm going to fast for the month of Thanksgiving, I mean for the month of November, but we forget that there's a thing called Thanksgiving in the middle of November. And then Thanksgiving comes and we're going, I'm not fasting today. Not today. Not when my favorite pie is being made. Or we may say, I'm going to be at church every Sunday. About 100 people said that last Sunday. <laughs> but then it's cold, it's rainy, you don't feel very good, and all of a sudden you didn't count the cost that life happens. Or for the disciple P Peter, it was telling Jesus that he would never, never deny him. But he didn't realize how hard that would be when he was faced with Jesus in the courtyard and people asking him directly, do you know him? Fear took him over and he denied him three times. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 14, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of the building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. I also think for Ananias and Sapphira, they were trying to take a spiritual shortcut. And we do this as well. They wanted the recognition, but they didn't want to take the time to repent. It could have been a really good thing. Just if you remember just a few moments ago, I talked about what their reasons could have been. It could have been a good thing. But instead of saying to Peter, hey, Peter, we got scared after we sold the land. 
So we're only going to bring in a portion. And we're sorry. We're really sorry that we didn't fulfill our, our word. Instead, they lied. They wanted the recognition of bringing in everything, but they took a shortcut. They decided to lie instead of tell the truth. I think that we do this often because we don't like repentance. Because repentance doesn't always feel good. I don't know how many of you have had to recognize that maybe I didn't fulfill what I said I was going to do. And to go to that person or to that organization and go, I slacked, or I flaked, or I'm sorry. Fear overtook me, and I couldn't do what I said I was going to do. That's hard, right? You know what the normal practice is? Any guesses? What's the normal practice when someone in church says, I'm going to do something, and then they flake? What's the normal practice? What? They leave. Who wins? Satan wins. You know how many people have, in good intentions, said, I'm going to do this. And they're so fired up. They're excited. They're going to do this and that. And I'm not a seasoned, seasoned pastor. I'm, I'm a partially seasoned pastor. But in my partial seasoning, I've recognized that when someone comes to me and goes, I'm so excited about this place. I'm going to do this and do this and do this. I go, oh, no. How about you just do this a little bit? That's my own fault because I need to first go, did you really hear from the Lord on this? Or is this you seeking approval from the church? Oftentimes, it's because we are seeking approval from each other that we try to overdo, that we make our yes a guess instead of a real yes. And when it becomes a no, we're not struck down. I haven't seen that lately. Isn't that good? Because I would have been struck down. But in a way, we are struck down because we choose to leave instead of embrace the repentance, which, which comes out to be, I'm sorry. Not, I'm sorry, not sorry, but it's a real, I'm sorry. And I want to do better. So can you help me do better? A value of Oikos, as I said at the very beginning, is transparency. The Apostle Paul writes about this to the church in Colossae. Don't lie to each other. I'll pause there, right? This is real words from the Lord. It's not because he's trying to condemn you. In fact, he's inviting you into a life that is different. Transparency means exactly this. Don't lie to each other. 
How many of you lied when you should have been transparent? I hope I see everybody. Because this is what we do, right? We lie to try to save face. Or we justify something in our head that this is going to be better for people if they don't know. It doesn't always work out. Rarely does. Almost never work out. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked, wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. What lying does is it puts a pause in us developing a relationship with our father. What lying does is it puts a pause whether we're lying to each other, so I can lie to Vanessa, but as I lie to Vanessa, I'm rejecting an invitation to get to know the Father. Are you getting that? Lying pauses our relationship with our Father. Why is Satan called the father of lies? Because he wants to pause or extinguish any kind of relationship, any kind of hope you would have to have a relationship with the Father. Transparency means that the lying stops. It can be simple. It can be like Ananias and Sapphira that they didn't say everything. Or they try to make you believe something that isn't really true. And when you believe it, they don't correct you. I bet we've done that before, right? Now, the second part is even harder because we really have a hard time with God's behavior because we want to be God. We want to make the decision what's fair and what's not fair. I've read this text before and I was like, and I didn't realize I was trying to be God. That's how it usually starts. And I thought, gosh, God, that's a little harsh. It was like a little white lie. It wasn't a huge lie. They still gave something. And you killed them. But then I have to step in and go, so I basically am saying I'm morally better than God. I can make better choices than he does. I am wiser than he is. I know more than he does. And then here I am again trying to be God. Our view of life is so limited So when those circumstances come up where we can't explain them or when we feel like we have to defend God and his actions, I would ask us to take a step back and say, do we trust him? What he did with Ananias and Sapphira is for, was for the church because their lives were not their own. We started this out by saying 
they were all united and they realized that everything they had and your mind might have went to possessions but guess what else we try to possess our own life but it is not ours to possess it is his that's a hard thing for us to jump into but God is essentially telling us in this story if you're offended sorry not sorry because I know better than you do I've lived 44 years and so often probably even more so when I was 30 till now I would say oh I think I know better than God how naive am I I've spent 30 years a good portion of that I didn't even I wasn't even responsible for my own life so maybe 12 years I kind of was responsible but not really because I knew that if I didn't do anything my parents would still kind of help me and I think I know better than the one who's been around forever do I forget that God has seen just a few lives in his time that he's seen a few lies in his time and I have a hard time trusting him John writes earlier in the gospel in, in chapter 3 for this is how God loved the world he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life you, you guys all know that right God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son and the judgment is based on this fact God's light came into the world but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed but those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants He's inviting us to be honest honest with our finances honest with our lives honest with each other to come into the light and be exposed and when we are exposed that we can step into repentance because with repentance when you say I'm sorry and you believe in Jesus repentance and belief when you believe in Jesus who says nothing is counted against you Ananias and Sapphira if they would have repented would not have died but it was an actual physical result of what was happening spiritually within them Jesus knows everything about you every time someone says how are you doing and you go oh I'm good and you're horrible every time 
someone asks, how much do you give? And you go, well, we give a lot, and you haven't given anything. Every time someone says, how are you doing? You go, oh, I'm really, really busy. But you're not really. Every time you put up a face of what you think people want to see, seeking their approval, Jesus knows all that, guys. He knows you inside and out. And what's awesome about Jesus is that he looks in all that crapola that we hold on to, and he goes, I'll stand by you. I want you. That's why the Father sent him into this world. It's because he knew we were liars. We're all liars who need Jesus. So what do we do with this then? Well, the most exact example is don't ever tell me you're going to sell something and bring the full proceeds to the church. <laughs> and then I'll do it. But probably more practically speaking, it's let your word be true. And when you find that it's not, repent. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Count the cost before you say yes. And be honest with one another. When you've said yes to something and you don't know how you're going to complete it, I hope you pray and ask for help. Go on. Hey, I was stupid. I said yes to this and I have no idea how I'm going to complete it. Can I ask for help? Be honest with one another. That's how our, our relationship with each other will grow and that's also where our relationship with the Father will continue to grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We ask that you would reveal those areas of our life where we pause to be honest. Lord, I pray that we would become more truthful with one another here in this house, in the house called Oikos, that we can love one another in a way that it does not matter what we say because we know that the sins have been forgiven. Lord, we pray that you would help us believe that. That there's no sin so grave that we cannot find a way to forgive. Because we know that that's who you are. That every sin that we've confessed has been paid for by you. And you're inviting us into that freedom and that relationship with you and the Father. So send your Holy Spirit upon us, the only one who can give us confidence to believe that your words are true and who you say you are is absolutely true. In your name we pray. Amen.